Zero Hours, Catherine Mather. Ow! Zero Hours! Hello and welcome to Zero Hours Podcast with me, Catherine Mather, where I talk to comedians and other creatives about the best and worst jobs they've had to do to get by. Today I'm joined by comedian Rachel Fairburn. Hello, Hello. mate. How are you? (laughs) Yeah, not too bad. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. It's weird though. I mean, because we are in lockdown. I don't know if we. we sometimes I feel if you you mention lockdown on podcasts, it, it dates the podcast. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. But yeah. I think that we're going to be uh, experiencing this for a lot longer than any of us want to. Absolutely. Imagine. So we may as well address it. We are in lockdown. Although there, I did do a podcast recording before all this, where somebody said. Oh, I mean, this coronavirus, are you worried about it? I was like, no, absolutely not. I just think it's, you know, they're making a mountain out of a molehill, everything will be fine. And now when I listen back to it, I'm like, yeah, I kind of wish I'd have cut that out now. I'm very <laughs> <Yeah>. silly. <laughs> oh, no, I'm that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just like, Ugh, this isn't aged well. And I only said it three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, but it all moved so quickly, didn't it, to be fair? It did. To, to be fair to everyone, like early March... I was still going on holiday. <laughs> yes, that's it. You you meant to go on a really good trip, weren't you? Yeah, uh, I was meant to be in Japan right now. But right. Well, I went to Japan in January, uh, just yeah. at, uh, end of February. And when I came back, the plane was half empty. There was only about 35 people on it. Really? Yeah, and it, that was when I was like, oh, hang on, I think this actually might be quite serious. Yeah. First, yeah, the first in like first thing I was like, oh, hang on a minute, <laughs> this is a bit weird. Yeah, because yeah, before then it was just like, oh, it's just a bit of flu, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Look at us now. <laughs> How naive we were. <laughs> I know. <laughs> How was Japan though? It was great. Really loved it. Went for about eight days. I've never felt uh, safer or you know, like everything's just so well organized everything's just really everything just works and everyone's really nice and everything's really clean and everything's on time it's just great oh. especially like living when you live in london and i think transport in london is pretty good but you go to japan and you're like oh, this is how it's done this is great <laughs> yeah it's brilliant you would yeah. you would have loved it but i'm sure you'll go in the future well i hope so yeah or i might just yeah. not bother now <laughs> you've, you've heard everything you need to know about it <laughs> off me and yeah. that, that's it I'll have men- I've not mentioned anything I saw I've just said the transport was really good yeah <laughs> and that's all I need that's all you need <laughs> so uh, I suppose we'll we'll get down to what the people paid for mm. uh, what's your worst job been? now this is a difficult one and it's weird because when you, you think about worst jobs my worst job really I think wasn't so much the job it was the people and it was, um, I worked in a, a rare books library for many, many years uh, before I was a comedian. And that, despite working in a beautiful neo-Gothic building, despite getting to work with amazing historical books and, you know, all the like maps and various other things and artefacts, despite all that, uh, the some of the people I worked with were, were so awful, particularly one boss, that I never look back on that job uh, as as anything. I, I don't have any happy memories about stuff. I just have this overwhelming hatred still because of the, the, an awful boss that we had. Oh, I think that was probably my worst job. But I, I think that's quite common of a lot of things like. I've done. I've had so many different jobs, but I've always worked with the public and people. And I mean, the public drive me insane. And obviously, still do work with the public because I'm a stand-up comedian. But it's on my terms in a way. Yeah. And when you do work with the public, as you you know, it's draining. Yeah. And, and I think the the library was even though it wasn't a bad job, it was the worst because you'd be working like academics coming in to look at material so they'd be coming in to look at books letters archives stuff like that and some of them were just some of the strangest people I'd ever <laughs> met in my life and there were some really nice people and then you'd get like regular customers who ended up becoming over familiar to, to the extent of one of them I for some reason you know used to talk to every day 
nice enough bloke. But even about four months ago, I got a, I got a phone call, and I had his he had my number because I was um, helping him out finding something in the library years ago. And he just phoned me out of the blue four months ago, and I was yeah. like, "Hello, yeah." I did I didn't know who it was at first. I was like, "Who the fucking hell's this?" Like talking to her. Then I realised who it was, and then he just started asking me about my stand up career and how things were going and how much money I earn. And I just went. I went, I'm really sorry, but I don't have to, I don't get paid to stand behind a desk anymore and be nice to you. So I'm not really sure why I'm ringing me <laughs> and just got rid of the call. That's so it was so a, weird. Yeah, really strange. It was just because it was such a strange bunch of people that used to come in and the 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 boss that we had. And it, and also the building was really spooky as well. So it was like, a, you know, Victorian neo-Gothic building, which was beautiful. But then sometimes you'd be on, sort of locking up duties or you'd have to go into the stacks to find a, a particular book that nobody had looked at since like you know 1920 and it was <laughs> just really creepy you'd constantly be you know jumping people would walk around corners and you'd be jumping all the time and you know that I mean, and it's, it's weird when you ask like my worst job because I, I think I think every job I've done up up until becoming a comedian has had elements of at the time I've always thought this is the worst job in the world and I'm so unhappy oh. yeah that's uh yeah I mean there's usually one way you're like oh, okay well you know this isn't a career but I'm quite happy here you know I'd one of those yeah, actually I do tell a lie so when I first moved to London a couple of years ago I, I had to because I, I, I was still in that transition period that a lot of comedians have that you still got to have a bit of a job yeah. to still do stand-up so even so, even two and a bit years ago, I still had a part-time job. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- this was quite good. It was at London Business School. And, uh, I mean, I think I can say the name. Uh, and it was really weird because I never really bonded with anybody at all. They were nice people. But what a culture it was because they were just drinking all the time. So the, this, so the very first day I worked there, got the job. Uh, it was just admin. Really beautiful old building, cracking. First day I got there, this is so funny. So <laughs> I turn up to work on the first day and there's a bit of a weird atmosphere and I'm thinking, what's going on? Anyway, somebody had died on the premises at the weekend. What? Yeah. So I'm there on my first day and I'm like, and everyone's going, oh, I'm really sorry. And then the, the guy, the boss who was meant to be training me up said, I'm really sorry, Rachel, it's going to be a bit of a strange day because um. Well, somebody died on the premises on uh, Friday oh. night, and I was going, okay. He said, and we've got um, the police have been here, and we, we, there's a bit of an investigation going on. Um, and I was like, all right, okay. And then all day it was just this weird sort of, and and then um, the family of the chap that had died had flown in from uh, India, I think, over the weekend to come and talk to the people that my boss to to get an idea of what had happened and I was like oh god this is awful like what a horrible thing to happen and then just a bereaved family coming in straight off a plane in the office next door and I'm thinking this is fucking weird and in sort of the midst of all this they decided because it was somebody's 50th birthday that there was going to be a drinks reception as well oh my god so this is my first day. This is going on. And about one o'clock in the afternoon, they were like, OK, if we'd all like to make our way to uh, the garden room, um, it's uh, so-and-so's 50th, someone who I'd never met, obviously. Uh, and we're all going to have a few <laughs> glasses of champagne. And I was like, right. And I said, well, I'll just stay here because I don't know him. And they're like, no, 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 please do come. I was like, right. <laughs> so then there's this drinks reception for this guy's 50th birthday. And at the start of it, one of the big bosses stood up and she said, uh, yeah, just to let everybody know that, um, I mean, it is a very sad day for the uh, institution here. Uh, a terrible tragedy that had occurred over the weekend. Um, but uh, it is uh, Dave's 50th birthday and we do want to raise a glass to him. But um, we'll just have a few moments to have a little think about what's happened over the weekend. And it was like a bit of a silence. And then, happy birthday, Dave! <laughs> <Hooray>! <laughs> And, and like I remember going home and phoning my mum and she's like how was your first day and I was like I honestly have got no idea <laughs> but so many things happened at that job like the, the, the drinking culture was phenomenal so 
it was just, it was like over the Christmas period, there, there was an entire week where they'd just be like getting you out of the office to go and sit and have a drink. Like, oh, we're just all going to such and such to have a drink. Oh, and I'd be like, oh, we'll be allowed to drink. And yeah, you'd be fine. You can have a couple, definitely. But, but people were just constantly drinking. It was so weird. Such a weird culture. That's so dangerous, though, isn't it? Because I don't know about you, but like three pints and I am done. Give me a glass of wine and I can't work for the rest of the day. This is the thing. And I, I and at the time it was like, oh, maybe it's because it's Christmas. But it wasn't because it was Christmas because then January, February, March, it, the same things kept happening. There'd, there'd be, a, you know, a drinks reception for no reason. Or there'd be, you know, somebody's worked here for, for six months, so we're going to have a drink to celebrate. <laughs> and it, sort of, even at lunches, they'd, pop out to you know be like oh well it's it's the team lunch today and everyone's just hey and then back in the office it was really but I, I don't particularly like drinking during the day anyway but you just felt under a bit of pressure to sort of join in but yeah you can, I mean a glass of wine in the afternoon I'm not doing anything after that I mean yeah. they're going to get hammered or I'm going to fall asleep there's no in yeah. between can't drink like the French yeah I wish I could have a, a better uh ability <laughs> yes to... Just have a glass of wine with lunch and then keep going. But... Yeah, but it's it's not a uh, it's not very British, is it? No. We're like, like if I'm having one, I'm having ten. Exactly. Yes. You just, you just reminded me that I completely forgot about this. There's a job uh, that I got. It was basically labouring for um, an opera house uh, that's uh, you know uh, royal uh, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I never actually did a shift for him, uh, but I did like the induction. And part of the induction pack, they give you a breathalyzer, like a single-use breathalyzer. And I was like, that, that's weird. And they were saying, oh, well, um, you know, there's a bit of a culture amongst, um, you know, people doing this job of going out for a pint at lunch. And that's just to make sure that if you do do that, um, you know, you're not over the limit and you can work. <laughs> Oh my I just thought, like, how? Uh, what? How that unprofessional! Is, that's so funny. <laughs> Not like, don't tell them. No, you can't have a drink. Don't, please don't drink at lunch. Don't drink while you're on work time. Yeah, just drink, but just don't get too pissed. <laughs> yeah, no, you limit, lads. That's great. So I guess it was people that had sort of be working with like stage stuff and moving stuff yeah. around and heavy lifting. It's weird, though, because there are certain different... Because uh, I didn't think that culture existed still, of drinking while you're at work, but it is actually... I'm surprised about how many people do engage in it. Yeah. Like, it's not something I ever had experienced before until I think people in London are a lot worse for it. Especially, 100%. Yeah, people that work in, like, creative industries as well. Like, for example, my boyfriend's a producer... And he, um, when I first started going out with him, he'd, you know, we'd be messaging and stuff, and then he'd, he'd be sort of working on something. But then he'd send me a picture, and be like, "Oh, I'm just having a pint." I'm like, "Can I have a pint? You're at work." And he's like, "Yeah, it's fine. Everybody does this." I'm thinking, "I never. I mean, I work in comedy clubs, but I never drink before a gig." Me neither. I forget every joke I've ever. If I walk past a beer mat. I'll forget everything I've written <laughs> and then just lose my shit before I go on. <laughs> yeah, actually, like, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, like, and, and like the, we don't have, I mean, I, I don't class my job as an important job, but when I've seen people who actually have important jobs in institutions and it's like, I just going to have a glass of red at lunchtime. I'm like, why? It, it's, it blows my mind. Yeah. Blows my mind. Although I did, work, to. I, did work, I did work with a bloke who uh, clearly had a drink problem. I won't say where I worked with him. Um, and it was, it got to the point where it was like madness. So he, he, I mean, he stank a booze a lot. Lovely bloke. Uh, actually very good at his job. Maybe it made him better. I don't know. Gave him a yeah. bit more confidence. But he'd be, he'd come in in the morning and then he'd uh, have his lunch early, about 12. Go straight across to Weatherspoon, sit in there, have something to eat and a pint and then another pint. And he'd come back, then he'd take his afternoon break, and sometimes he'd just pop to the pub in his afternoon break. We'd constantly be eating mints and stuff and, like, spraying breath spray. And then one day I walked into the staff room 
and he was just putting his coat back and he had a little hip flask and he'd obviously been having a little wow in the afternoon absolutely yeah I, I couldn't it, it it honestly blew my mind but it was you know it worked quite hard he was quite good yeah. at his job you do you yeah you do you babe yeah. well also with the uh just to, just to go about with the um the the laboring job uh, oh. i think the reason that they did that was because they knew that the old guard were like i am not forsaking my lunch pint oh so really i think yeah. that's why they did it i think that pe- like maybe our generation of uh workers would be like absolutely not that's mad uh whereas i think maybe like our parents generation especially yeah, in yeah. that industry are like nah i heard it's tell of a west did. end yeah, so I heard tell of a West End drummer who, you know, because like they're doing the show, it, like Phantom of the Opera has been there for what thirty years. You, you know, you're doing the same thing once or twice a day. He'd managed to work out exactly when, how long the gaps were in the show, and would nip out <laughs> to have a pint <laughs> during the show, and then come back again and just be like. Carrying oh on. my god, that's so funny. Although I couldn't cope with that level of stress. No, me neither. That, that's not an enjoyable pint, is it? No, you can't relax. You can't relax, you can't enjoy it. I would be constantly going, oh, today's the day something's going to go wrong as I'm drinking my drink. It's like when, in comedy clubs, when compares just vanish. Oh my god, it's, yeah. Like they'll go out for outside for a cig or... You know, they go upstairs to piss about on the phone or whatever. And you're just like, why can you just please stay in the room? Because yeah. it, it, for me, as a, an act that's on stage, I think, well, what if this went wrong? Because I've seen it happen. I've been, years ago mm-hmm. when I started out, there was an act um, who was on and he was dying. So therefore, and I admire him for this, he was like, well, you're not interested. This isn't going well. I shall leave, which yeah. I always think you should do. I think you should 100%, do that. 100%, yeah. So he leaves and the compere had buggered off somewhere outside having a cig, doing whatever, and there was just this really eggy sort of two minutes where everyone was like, oh, no. And I just remember looking at the other act going, oh, shit, this is really bad, isn't it? And then he sort of rushed, someone, someone had gone to get him and he ran in, sort of berated the audience for some reason, and the audience was just as confused as everybody else. And then was like, right, I'm going to bring on your next act. And I'm thinking, not now, mate. Not now. <laughs> not now. Let's have a break, eh? Yeah, let's have a break. It was just such a weird scenario. Yeah, but I couldn't... Uh, it's always, I always have that fear of, like, worrying that I'm meant to be somewhere and I'm not there. Yeah. It's just the worst feeling, that, isn't it, when you wake up and you're like, oh, my God, I've got to be at work. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, see, that's the thing. Like, I, I'm so glad as well that I have a job now that is predominantly evenings because... I don't know how I used to get up to... I, I will never miss that commute of... Especially when I lived in Manchester, to getting on a bus, going into town, walking up to the the job that you hated, dragging mm. your feet, cutting through the Arndale, that kind of thing. I'd just be like, oh, I cannot. I just don't miss that at all. At yeah. all. Oh, yeah. Also, to go back uh, to the dead guy, was... I have so many questions. <laughs> was he meant to be there? Did he work there? Had he, like, what happened? So, he was meant to be there. Good, and, good. Uh, I, I obviously, I don't want to uh, say too many things. I mean, no, no. one's going to figure it out, are they? But, yeah, just to be a bit respectful. So, he was meant to be there, and it was sort of... They couldn't really fathom out what it was. So, he'd gone... He was there with his girlfriend at this do because you know they're always having parties mm-hmm. he uh went to the toilet she assumed he'd gone home couldn't get hold of him and was like oh this is a bit weird and then the security guard from the school had gone into the toilet to do a check later like one two in the morning and that he was in he was dead oh yeah it's just really sad but what i was trying to piece together was because I'm sure it was in the papers as well. I'm sure it was, it was reported in the news. What I, they, they were kind of thinking it might have been drugs, but I don't think it was. I think he just it was just one of those like really tragic drop-dead kind of things. He was quite a young guy yeah. as well. So oh. 
weird weird things that happen just really sad but yeah what what a day to start and you're just like oh okay there's been there's been an incident I mean there's incidents and there's incidents isn't there yeah and that is quite a big that's That's an incident with a capital I that is yeah and and flashing like red lights (laughs) that's that's that kind of incident yeah it's the biggest one really isn't it that hugest one yeah (laughs) so uh have you had any other horrendous jobs yeah I'd say so because I I've not been to college or university and when I left school the week after I was working in Kendall's department store in Manchester um in Wallace the ladies clothes shop oh and it was like it was to me it was such a shock to my system because I was absolutely bone idle at school and then going into the adult world and having an actual job oh my god I just remember the tiredness that I have never experience before <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be getting home from work at like six in the evening and falling asleep for three hours on the sofa like I'm so exhausted so pathetic 17 years old just no stamina whatsoever but after when I was about 18 I got a job at office the shoe shop oh, that's good, and, oh god I that ha- I hated it oh. I hated it it was it was just you know it was just hard work and not again not because of the actual job it was that was a bit of a piece of piss you know oh you want these in a three I'll go and get them it was the boss and it's weird because I think back the guy that was the manager we were all like 18 19 year old girls and uh, in fact this is an interesting one I worked at at office shoes with uh, a now famous fashion designer Henry Holland Ah. used to work at office shoes together so we're all like these young people working in this environment and I'm not I'm not into like, you know, ageism or job shaming. But <laughs> however <laughs> when I think back, the guy that was the boss, Liam, he must have been at the time sort of thirty-eight maybe. And the way he dealt with us was appalling. So it's like when I because when I look back, we used to be frightened of him. And he used to, you know, we'd do a meeting every Saturday morning as if you know, we were a, a team building up to a massive game. It's like, right, everybody, we've got to sell these shoes. And he was like this really sort of brash cockney. And he, he always wore the same jumper. I never saw him without this shit jumper on. It had, like, threads coming off it. And he used to have this, like, sort of demeanour about him where he thought he was so great. And the way he talked to us and the way he'd go, yeah, you need to go out and get me, a, get me a, an Americano. Do you know what an Americano is? So, yeah it's coffee mate we're not fucking stupid yeah. and the way also we... you're not making it exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> and also he'd say things like um I remember you had to go downstairs into because it was a shared building go down the stairs out the back use the loo and then you had to press a buzzer to get back into your your sort of shop so sometimes if it was a Friday or a Saturday and it was hammered and you know everyone's so busy we'd be pressing the buzzer and someone nobody buzz you in for ages and then he'd like have a go at people for how long they'd been in in the bathroom or on the toilet. As he, you've been on the toilet for ten minutes, and it's like, well, I haven't. I've been buzzing to get back in for eight of those minutes. Yeah, um, but it's really funny. I remember one Saturday, it was so busy, and it was such a tiny shop, and it was constant. Like from the minute we opened, we were constantly constant. And after about forty minutes this particular afternoon, I realised that on the the music that was playing. We'd had um, the beginning to YMCA stuck on a loop for like 45 minutes. It was weird running around just giving people shoes. And that, that's the thing that sticks out in my mind. But he, he was just such a horrible, horrible man. And when, obviously, when you get a bit older with hindsight, you think, God, I'm pretty much the same age as he, he was then. And he was just bullying kids. Yeah. It was just a really horrible horrible situation yeah that was probably the job where I would get up and I'd dread dread going in and of course at that age every day seems really long as well doesn't it so you'd start at quarter past nine till six o'clock and when you're young that is like forever yeah such a it was such a drag the day dragged it was horrible the money was shit the bosses were horrible oh yeah just really hated it really hated that one 
Yeah, that's such a common thing, you know, like speaking to people doing this podcast, like the bosses who were bullies, they, yeah. you know, making people hate a job. And like, I remember, uh, a, like, my first sort of proper job, it was at an ice cream shop next to an arcade by a big lake that was uh, <laughs> near my house. And that guy, like, at what, the time, what, I was so it scared. Was it was it Hollingworth? Yeah, Hollingworth Lake. I knew it, I knew it. <laughs> so, so that really narrows it down, if anyone knows Hollingworth Lake. <laughs> Because there's one place it could be. But that guy, at the time, I was really scared of him. And he, uh, you look back at it and you're just like, he was a, a man in a marriage he, that wasn't working. <laughs> and the only way he could feel powerful is to bully kids. Yeah. Of a weekend. It's so sad, isn't it? It's so weird. And it's the same, it is the same old story. Because every boss I've had who's been, an arsehole has you know been miserable in their own life as you you eventually find out and it, it's I, in the end this this guy this horrible boss at the shoe shop we worked next to a, a very posh shoe shop called Bally Aww. and the woman that works in there I can't remember her name now very nice blonde friendly nice woman uh, he ended up getting her pregnant so <gasps> they'd only been dating for about a month and a half something like that and she, they stayed together. She moved to, they, he moved back to London. She went with him. And I just remember thinking, imagine having his kid. He's horrible. <laughs> and I often do think back to it. And I, I think, I wonder how, how they, how they getting on now. I mean, that kid must be, how many years ago was it? So 18, 20, it'll be like 19 years old now, that child. <laughs> An adult. <laughs> that child is now a man. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully... What that did was he uh, became happy because he got a family and saw the errors of his ways and was like, oh, I feel really bad for bullying those kids in that shoe shop. Do you, do you think that's true? Absolutely not, no. <laughs> <laughs> the best is, though, he'd left, moved back to London. And about three years later, I was in London just for like a bit of a, a jaunt. And I walked down this street I think it might have been Cowdenby Street, actually. And they had a branch of office shoes there. I remember it was Covent Garden. And as I looked to the side into the London uh, office shoe shop, the horrible manager was working in that one. No. So he was trapped in shoes forever. He oh, was still God. working in shoe shops. Yep. And his girlfriend. Not, yeah, I'm not job shaming, but come on, mate. Yeah, bringing up a kid in a house of multiple occupancy. <laughs> Like it's the Victorian time. Oh God! Oh, don't living with like um some young creatives and, uh, <laughs> and just like this family in one room. Oh God! And they're like, who's that? Oh, that's Terry. <laughs> I can't even remember his surname because sometimes I always go, oh, I might actually have a look, uh, see if he's on social media. I wonder what he's up to. And I just cannot for the life of me remember his surname. Oh, maybe it's all. the best. Yeah, I think you're right. Just leave him as a as a distant memory. <laughs> horrible man horrible man oh god it's tragic <laughs> so I suppose the other side of this coin is what is your favorite job uh I would well it's got to be stand-up yeah. it's the job that it, you've worked it's the job you've been doing while you've had other jobs and it's the job that you want to be the main job so yeah. I I it's, yeah it's definitely this I mean takes a long time as well to get to be able to have it as your job and it is keeping it going and making sure that you know you've got enough money and making sure everything's covered is it can be quite stressful but just to be able to be your own boss just to be able to you know write jokes for a living it's great like I wouldn't I wouldn't swap it I would. I couldn't now go back to a nine to five. Not that there's anything wrong with you know your, your nine to fives, whatever. Because I mean, I've always watched one of those people that be like, "Yeah, I just want a job that is nine to five, Monday to Friday, and then I just get hammered at the weekend." Yeah. Hurry on a Sunday night, and then, like, I I kind of admire people that have that as their 
sort of it's like this is my life I'm happy with it I can't oh admire that yeah I'd love to want that yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd love to I, I, I kind of think because oh, because the, the only bad thing I'd say about stand-up is even though you know this when you go into it you are sacrificing pretty much every weekend yeah of, of life you you can't you know the amount of times my mates are go oh do you want to you know we're having this party are we doing this we, oh when you're doing it friday yeah in birmingham or you know and that's the other thing the travel's a bit shit yeah. in birmingham or in cardiff i'm doing this and you kind of do miss out on a lot of uh fun times but i'd rather that than having to get up on a cold monday morning to go and work with a horrible boss doing something that i don't really enjoy that much yeah that's fair enough really so i think it's um i think a lot of people seem to assume uh (laughs) that it's quite easy and there's loads of money in (laughs) performing (laughs) and you're like oh what a hundred pounds for 10 minutes work that sounds great but it really isn't is it not when you weigh up everything else it's like say you get 100 quid for you know whatever it's you you've tried you've had to travel to that gig usually so that's you know you if it's say you, you're in Manchester and that gig's in the northeast, you may as well knock sixty quid off that because you've had to get the train there and back, or you might have to stay over. Um, you, you're waiting around a lot. You're at the mercy of public transport sometimes if you don't drive. Uh, you, you know your trains are cancelled or whatever. You 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 have to spend time with other comedians, which as you will appreciate, depending on the comic, isn't mm-hmm. always that great. And you, you're just waiting. It's like you're constantly waiting. Like I sometimes feel on a weekend especially if you're gigging away and you're you're staying over say if you're like in Birmingham for three nights it's like you you can't really enjoy yourself as much during the day because you're just constantly waiting to go to work yeah and you you know I used to be really nervous as well when I first started out in comedy like my nerves were terrible so I'd be working at the library during the day and then I'd be agonizing about the gig in the evening and because I'd be like oh god I'm so nervous I'm nervous and then once I once I'd done it, I'd be like, oh, thank God for that. And then you look at your watch, and it's ten o'clock at night, and you've still got to get back from I don't know wherever you do it, Leeds. You know, it's like one in the morning, and then you've got to go to work the next day. Um, yeah. So yeah, sometimes people do think we do get paid a lot for what we do, but really, you're getting paid for the traveling, you're getting paid for the the writing, you're getting paid for yeah. the stress. Yeah, that's how it feels. Yeah. And the amount yeah. of gigs that you have to do for free to test the oh. writing. Oh my god! Yeah. So when yeah, when you start out, the amount of th- you you're losing money all the time, and that's why yeah. it's quite a hard thing for sort of working class comics in particular. That's why we have jobs longer than most people. We we haven't got that luxury of you know parents who are going to pre- pre- prepare to help us achieve our our dreams or whatever. You've got to do it all yourself. You've got to, oh, it's, it's, it's stressful. I, remember, I, was, I was saying like the other week that I remember times that even when I did have a job, a full-time job, and I was still gigging in the evenings and doing as much as I could, there'd be times where I'd get up and I'd be like, oh, God, I've got to get the bus to work. And I'd be looking through old coats to just try and make up bus fare. Yeah. So I'd go and do my job. And it, yeah, just the, the amount of times you skin and... And but I suppose it's good in a way because it means you really want to do it because you, you if you can stick through that, then yeah, be fine. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it's like it's a solid sort of ten years to get full time. Yeah, right? definitely. Yeah. I would say. It's, I mean, it took me eight years to be able to be like, okay, I can move to London now. I can. I can balance this out. I can make that sacrifice and do that. And like, yeah, it just takes so long. But I'd say 10 years to be professional at it and have it as your job, definitely. Yeah. And that, I tell you what, though, if somebody had told me that when I started out in comedy, if somebody went, you're going to have to do this for 10 years <laughs> until you see any sort of progress, or I'd be like, no, thank you. <laughs> I'll go and do something else. Yeah, if I knew that. Because I would say to like comedian mates, I go, "Would you start out again in comedy now?" And we're all like, "Absolutely not, <laughs> no way." Just knowing what you know and and stuff, and there's just the 
and sometimes getting and you you I mean you'll have done this like getting the the mega bus to you go to London to do a gig and then you can't get the train home because the last train's gone and you have to get a seven hour mega bus and you yeah. as, as it pulls in a shoe deal station in Manchester you're like brilliant 5am I'll pop home have a cup of tea and then I'll go to work <laughs> just the the worst days and sometimes the worst £12.50 you'd ever spent even yeah. though you had to spend it yeah oh so on that what's the maddest journey that you've ever had to do for comedy oh god maddest journey like do you mean like the shittiest one uh well yeah I suppose like for example I did uh we drove from London to Ulverston and back again and it was a 18 hour trip and I was so tired that I was hallucinating oh my god uh and that was like for you know 100 quid and it was you know it was it was a lovely gig and I had a lovely time but I was just thinking can you imagine dying on your ass oh. at that gig or if you hated the people you're car sharing with thankfully <laughs> they were lovely and it was very nice but like yeah what's sort of like the shittest longest I'm trying to think because there's been so many <laughs> I I can't I, I think where, there was a time where I'd done like I remember I think I was gigging in Manchester and then the next day I was gigging in London and then I think the next day after that I was like gigging in Bristol so it's like three really long journeys and I'm sure was it Bristol I'm sure yeah I had to come back from Bristol back to London and then I had to get a mega bus from London because we were living in Manchester at the time back to Manchester so it was it's just those really long journeys where you go is this ever going to end I feel like I've just been on transport for years and I, I just it, it it does psychologically sometimes you're just like I can't do this anymore yeah because you're so skin and I mean it's better when you you know when you're getting a bit better at things and you're progressing and you're earning a bit more money the luxury of being able to just get a train you're like oh, oh. I can get a train I, I, actually I do think the worst one and it wasn't that long ago I was gigging in South Wales and because I'm the kind of person that just wants to get home after everything, yeah. if, I, if I can get, get a late train, I'm like, brilliant, I'll just get the train. If I can't, I will stay over, but get the earliest train I can. And I stayed in this awful hotel that I had to, to go and check in. I had to walk across a dance floor that was packed. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh God. <laughs> the, the hotel was absolutely fine, but the heating was on. You couldn't turn it off. I was like, oh, this is a nightmare. And my train was at half past five in the morning. So I was like, it's all right, I'll be okay. I'm just going to have a couple of hours sleep, get up, off I go. Uh, it was pissing down. It was cold. I think it was like November. I left the hotel at like 10 past five to, to watch the train station. Underestimated how far away the train station was. And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to rush it. And then there was just a weird guy on the other side of the road who I think was trying to intimidate me. And I'm thinking, it's quarter past five in the morning, mate. <laughs> I, I genuinely haven't got time to, to engage with this sort of misogyny. And then I just remember getting to the train station, getting on the train and thinking, oh, great, I'm on the train, and then realising it was like a six-hour journey. Oh, no. I, I was thinking, I can't, I can't do this. And I think it might have been one of those train journeys where they go, oh, just to let you know that um, there will be no hot drinks on this service because of such and such thing, or the card machine's broken, it's cash only. It was one of those days and I, I do remember that journey so I got back into Manchester probably like about 11 sort of midday something like that and I just remember texting my friend on the way home Danny Sutcliffe uh, who yeah. you know Danny texting him and going mate I just want to go to the pub and he meet me <laughs> like half past one in the afternoon and I was just being like brilliant let's just get on <laughs> yeah please yeah I yes it's the old merging of one though after a while the bad journeys and yeah and that was one and it was with a car comedians years ago and I, I was quite a a newish act so I was doing 10 minutes the person who was driving us to Northampton uh from Manchester uh, was late because they were filming 
and we left Manchester to go to Northampton at about quarter to six. The gig was starting at eight, and I'm thinking, we're not going to get there. We made it on time. The gig was terrible. And then it was like, because there was four of us in the car, and I live live north of the city centre, everyone else lived south. We had, there was about, yeah, four people. Everyone else got dropped off first, and I had to be dropped off last because I lived the furthest away. And I was just like, <laughs> I can't live through this anymore. I got back at home about four in the morning, I think. And I was just like, that was awful. And it was funny because the gig that we did, you do these like 10 minute spots to, to progress and like get paid work in the future. Uh, and the woman that was running it said, Oh, thanks very much for coming. Um, it's actually the last one of these that we're running now. Uh, I'm not promoting <laughs> anymore. And I was like, What has been the point? There is absolutely no point to any of this. Yeah, times like that, you're just like, Oh. And Can then they're like, but don't worry, we, we're not going to pay you, but you can have a, a pint on the bar. And then you ask for it and it turns out, you're like, oh, I'll have a Heineken, please. And then they go, oh, no, no, it's not those ones. It's these shithouse cans that we've yeah. bought in from the corner shop. Oh, it's terrible, isn't it? Yeah, one a little stubby. Yeah, you can oh, have a red oh. panda. Oh, great, oh. thanks. <laughs> Saint Etienne. <laughs> Saint Etienne. Oh, oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, yeah don't, don't worry. It's, a, it's only been a twelve-hour round journey <laughs> for nothing. <laughs> Literally nothing. Nothing <coughs> away there. I'm up with the train thing. I remember I got on one train. I think it was to Southampton, and it was one of those, you know, where it's going to two places, so it divides. Oh, it divides, yeah. Yeah, and it divided, and then they did an announcement, and they're like, sorry, all of the trains, uh, all of the toilets were on the other train. <laughs> so now the, there's no toilets. And you know, you do that thing, and you're like, I'm going to hold it in, and then when I'm halfway, because I hate train toilets, so you're like, well, yeah, yeah. halfway along the journey, I'll go then. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just hold it in the entirety of the journey. Yeah. God, it's such a it, stuff like that as well really bugs me because it's like sometimes you do get on trains. There's some trains in London that travel miles and miles and miles that that go to different places outside of London that don't have toilets. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, am I just what? <laughs> you just can't there's nothing you can do. Yeah, I think if the journey's longer than like half an hour. Have a loo on there. Yeah. Yeah. There are elderly people, there are children, there are pregnant women. Exactly. You know? I totally agree. Have some foresight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll do this section. I always I've I wanted to, I'd try and do it, and then I always forget to do it, but I actually think it's quite a, an interesting one. It's the Worst Jobs from History section. Uh, so I got a book by uh, Tony Robinson Baldrick, oh, yes. that yes. guy, uh, called The Worst Jobs from History. Uh, so I've been looking in that. Um, so I thought we'd go for a plague, a plague one, given yeah. the circumstances. Given the yeah. To, uh, to age this podcast even more. Um, <laughs> so this one, it's called Searcher of the Dead, um, which thing, sounds quite exciting. Um, but it was, they would get old women uh, who were just old enough to have, like, first aid skills. Um, and they would, they were usually destitute. Uh, they were forced into doing it. They were like, I suppose on benefits, but... Uh, but like the 1600s version of benefits. Uh, and they were like, well, we won't give you your benefits if you don't go and do this job. So they had to. And they would get paid a tuppence per body to go around uh, and perform post-mortems uh, on people that had died of the plague. But like an amateur one, not... Oh, my God. <laughs> no one knew what they were doing. Uh, and if they thought that it was the plague, they would board up the house with everybody in it they just bought it up for 40 days and no one was allowed in or out. So, so these women just made these calls by themselves like, oh, yeah, I think you've got the plague and uh, we're just going to board you and your family up in here. Yeah, and, so... uh, I could be wrong. <laughs> in <laughs> which case know. you will starve to death. <laughs> yeah. I could so... be right, in which case you're all going to die a horrible death from a disease together. 
Yeah, as a family. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah. It's nice to spend time together. It is. Uh, I, what a horrible job. I mean, also, how cruel is that? Like, who do we respect the least in this society? Uh, Elderly women. Brilliant. Bring them out. They can do this job. Yeah. So I think the parish would send them to, like, here's your list for the day. Go and stick your fingers in these boils and check if it's... (laughs) Go and check their armpits. Yeah. Some of the groins. <laughs> I was thinking though, like if if the coronavirus, can you? I think people didn't take it seriously at first because mm-hmm. of the symptoms. Imagine if it was something that physically you could see, or imagine if it was like Ebola, where you've got blood coming out your eyes. Everyone would have been like, "Lock down now, lock down <laughs> yeah. right now." None of it. I also think if it was the shits as well. If you got oh, a really yeah. bad case of the shits, people would have been like, we've got to lock this down immediately. I yeah, think people would take it a lot more seriously, wouldn't they? If it was like dysentery, you wouldn't have. Yeah. My nobody... body, my choice. <laughs> yeah. No... <laughs> you wouldn't have Americans outside going, I want my freedom. My freedom has been taken away. People would just stay in. Yeah. Freedom to bleed out of my eyes. <laughs> And piss out of my ass. That's what I want. That is what I want. And if if I want to infect others, then I will. Because that <laughs> is freedom. Exactly. But also, you can get um you can get fined for jaywalking there, can't you, in America? Oh yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. just crossing the road wherever you want. Freedom. <laughs> Land of the freedom. Free. Land of the free. Don't come here, I'm going to find you for crossing the road, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Freedom. <coughs> I think that's mad. Um, yeah, there we go. I mean, I think that's pretty much our time. But have you got anything that you would like to plug? Oh, God. Well, I did have. And then coronavirus happened. And oh, no. To plug. Um, not, not really at the minute. I mean, I, I, have, a pod, I have a podcast called I'll Kill an Old Fella. You, you can have a listen to that. It's about serial killers. Uh, I do that with Kira Pritchard McLean. Uh, Very good. I don't know. That, that's that. it. I mean, I w- at some point, I I have rescheduled tour dates. There's one in Bristol for September, but I'll be honest with you, it's not going to happen. No. So I'm not even promoting it. They keep emailing me, going, "Oh, can you can you re- retweet it?" I'm like, "No, people people are people are frightened at the minute, and I am not <laughs> an antidote <laughs> to anything. So no, and." I don't think it's going to happen, but you know, we'll we'll, we'll find. It. I mean, if if you've enjoyed listening, you can seek me out yourself. People, you know, they can Google me and come and watch me when I'm uh, allowed back on stage. Yeah, I mean, eventually the tour will happen. You'll be eventually. back at Soho Theatre. Eventually, yeah. I mean, it'll yeah. be a very different show because I can't be asked in the show that I, that I had. It's like no one wants to hear my opinions on the monarchy now. Like, who gives a shit? We've just had a pandemic. I'll just talk about other stuff. I don't know. It's a really good show. I saw it in Edinburgh, and I think that um, people will be sick of hearing of coronavirus. Well, I think any comedian that is writing a show about coronavirus is is going to embarrass themselves because I think people will not want to hear anything about this afterwards. We'll be like, yeah, we lived through that. We don't need your take on it. It's done. Yeah, 100% agree. And I think it's going to be awful, the amount of, like, student players. Oh, my God. The, the coronavirus, the musical, <laughs> you know, people will be... There'll be some people thinking that there is, like, Samuel Pepys in this. There'll be diaries, <laughs> and they'll be thinking, this is going to be really important stuff when, when I come out of this. This is People are going to want to hear this, and they won't. They no. won't hear it. People are tired of it now. They're not going to want to have a retrospective in six months. No. no. I think, like, in I've been keeping, you know, like that letter that we got sent from Boris? Oh, yeah. I've been keeping stuff like that because I reckon, like, when I'm a grandma, like, the grandkids will be like, oh, that's interesting. Yes. Definitely. I think it's an interesting piece of history, but it isn't coming out for another 50 to 60 years absolutely and i think like i think about 20 years my you know 
my mates will have kids or whatever. I like how I'm, I'm obviously deciding I'm not having kids in this conversation. <laughs> if I, you, then you'd be like, you'd speak to a young person and you go, oh yeah, well, of course we couldn't go out, you know. You couldn't go out. No, no, we couldn't go out. And all the shops were closed. Like, that is the time when we'll be talking about it. That we'll be like, that was weird, wasn't it? Yeah. In five years, everyone's just going to be like, yeah, it was weird, wasn't it? But let's not discuss it because we don't want it to happen again. Yeah, please let's not talk about the worst year of our life. <laughs> yeah, please let's never talk about The year that never happened. Yeah. <laughs> Mad. It's weird, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Maybe they'll listen back to this podcast and think, how did people cope back then? Yeah. And they'll listen to us talking. It's like, clearly these two women weren't coping. (laughs) (laughs) At all. (laughs) One of them's still harbouring vitriol towards a boss that she had 20 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for being on it. Thanks, pal. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, Uh, me too. And hopefully uh, we'll see each other for real yeah that'd be good well whereabouts in london do you live uh archway uh although if anybody asks from my comedy set uh still live in kilburn (laughs) perfect i know why (laughs) wrote a shitload of jokes about kilburn (laughs) lovely lovely um Uh, so yeah we should go for a pint because i'm in i'm in east london i'm in walthamstow northeast london I've heard good things at Walthamstow. Oh, it's great. She says it's great, even though she's not there at the minute. She chose not to isolate there and came to the countryside like a wanker, but we'll leave that. Well, We'll to be fair, in many ways, I wish that I had come to the countryside because the streets of London are about as busy as any normal day. Uh, Yeah, I've heard this. So I look at all these people and they're like, yeah, I just uh, just did a 5K. And I'm like, I can't go out on my street without like yeah you know being near people the thing that got me i was watching so this morning was on i think it was last friday and they're on south bank the film up there i think it's, yeah, it must be south bank i'm looking yeah. out and we've got the window at the back and i'm looking at i'm like why is south bank as busy as any other day that i've ever seen it bloody water taxi going up and down with people on it people walking across and i'm like oh so is it just me that's doing this it's like is is it just me and the people i know that are doing this and everyone else is carrying on as normal it's mad it is mad it's it's awful especially like i think people are of the opinion like oh you know it's just it's just the flu but like for some people it is like you you can die exactly. <laughs> it is but you know i kind of want, don't want my parents to get ill so yeah. you know have a little think yeah mad but thank you uh for being on thank uh, you pal speak again I'll speak to you soon. See you later. Bye.